Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 583 of the podcast and it is Tuesday the 2nd of November 2021 as I record this. In today's show, I'm talking to Jens Klingelhofer and John Ruhrman, the founders of Creatokia, the world of digital originals, the first dedicated platform for NFT books, or at least one of the first. I know I'm doing a lot of shows on NFTs at the moment, and I know it can be confusing at first, but I hope that you are feeling the gears slowly click into place as you listen, or at least you will do (laughs) by the time I finish this series. This is foundational technology for Web3, and I think NFTs will be part of every book project. You will do your usual formats, your ebook, paperback, hardback, large print, audiobook, and you will also do an NFT drop for digital originals. I will also keep emphasising how NFTs will allow resale of digital assets, which means you can make royalties on resale, which has never been possible before. This is a very big deal for our future income, (laughs) which is why I will keep emphasising it. Obviously, it's early days for NFTs, so the possibilities are still emerging. But I hope you enjoy the discussion today. And then after the interview, I will return once more to reflect on the topic and some of the key aspects. Also, I'll talk about the recent YA NFT project Realms of Ruin and why I think it failed. Plus, I will share some uh, audio clips that I think you'll find interesting too. So let's get into the interview and afterwards stick around for more updates. Jens Klingelhofer and John Ruhrman are the founders of Bookwire, which provides digital publishing solutions for the publishing industry. They have recently launched Creatokia, the world of digital originals, and a podcast to start educating the publishing industry, which will soon be available in English. So welcome to the show, Jens and John. Hello, Jenna. Hi. Hello. I'm so excited to talk to you today, but let's start with a a question that might be basic for us, but maybe not for the listeners. So what are NFTs and what is Creatokia? I think the interesting things about NFTs are, uh, it's the short version of non-fungible tokens. It's the, the thing is that NFTs are on a blockchain and you can collect them and you can own them and you can trade them. And that's the whole idea about it. And it's a decentralized technology. It does mean maybe for the publishing industry that you don't need uh, another organization than the technical idea of the blockchain to trade a book or to trade a very rare stuff and to to give it to someone who can say, I really own a digital original. And that's the idea of Creatokia. Creatokia is the possibility in the time of limitless supply in a digital era to bring the original back into our world and connect two worlds, a digital world and a real world. And it's something for fans and creators and for storytellers and out of the perspective of Bookwire, the company that Jens and me founded 10, 11 years ago, a next step of digital publishing. 
Yeah, I think maybe to add something, 12 years ago, when ebooks came came into the business, I think we all thought about, wow, this is a technical revolution. I, I thought it myself. And in, in some ways it was, but in some ways it wasn't. It was just like transforming a, a physical book into a digital book, but it's not really a technical revolution because we're still reading, we're still using the kind the kind of the same distribution channels. So you can like buy a book on Amazon, you can buy an ebook on Amazon. That's no, no big difference. Uh, you just need a device for it. But looking at it, like the, the opportunity to create digital originals in a world, like John said, where everything digital has become totally available for everybody. So we are in an endless sea of music, pictures, books, having something that means something to you in your life, a digital version of something that you would have collected maybe as a rare item physically uh, uh, previously. I think that's a real revolution. And I think what I'm also interested in is the idea of smart contracts and resale, the resale market and the fact that we might get a percentage, we, you can put a percentage royalty into the resale. This is completely new, right? We haven't had this. We've obviously had, there's been resale of physical books, but we've never been able to figure out the supply chain for money for that kind of thing. So how do you think that sort of royalty potential for the life of copyright on blockchain might work and might almost bring more money into this too right it looks like that the blockchain is more collaborative in a way so when you are on the blockchain with your product as you said with a smart contract you are able to participate in the resale of your product so it means when i buy an nft book and i resell it because maybe it's a limited edition from a fantastic author of or even from an unknown author but now a very well known author it's possible to resell that nft and you can implement in the smart contract that the originator the author uh, gains again let's say a percentage of if it only maybe five percent but uh, if it's sold again and again and again you have your own distribution system on the blockchain and that's really a hack of the idea of what book distribution was in the past and thinking about adequate uh, payment for authors and creators i think this is a really big step forward because you don't have tons of intermediaries in between that get uh, like the biggest chunk uh, in the value chain you may uh, make sure with this technology that you can participate in the future in your product I think this is kind of common in, in art buying sometimes, but I, I never heard this about like books or music or something that you as an originator can create something. And, and as long as the product travels commercially to the world, can, can still participate. Okay, so let's get more specific around what is an NFT. So people know my audience, a lot of them are independent authors. We know what a Mobi file is or an EPUB file or a PDF. Uh, so we know these file formats. And I feel like people are confused as to is NFT book a new format or what does an NFT contain? An NFT is uh, a carrier, a carrier of something. And it has at first two ideas it's the idea of authenticity and and authorization if you own the tone you say i am someone and i'm able to do something with it and uh, that means that the connected book or the connected artwork or the connected cover and extra stuff is only available for you and connected with that nft it's the cover of the whole publishing 
product that's able to be done uh, by a publisher, creator, or author. Yeah. Let's give some e like like examples from other industries that makes it more tangible. Uh, when you look at <clears throat> at the U.S. market and sports, so you will find a, a big platform that is called NBA Drop Shots. What you can do there is you can buy great scenes from NBA games, like the biggest super dunk of LeBron James in one of the uh, playoff finals. You can buy this this uh, little piece. So now you would say, okay, this is a movie and everybody can put it on YouTube. That's theoretically right, but there's only one person owning it. You can also have the Mona Lisa picture on your calendar uh, in, in your home, but you probably don't own the Mona Lisa because it's in the Louvre in, in Paris. So this is the big difference that you really have ownership and this token is technically making it possible to connect this ownership to you personally not to you as a person directly but to your wallet and that's something maybe that needs some more explanations but imagine it like a bank account everybody has a bank account so i think in some years from now everybody will have a wallet uh, where you can collect money crypto money and also nfts and these nfts are proof that you own something and that you may earn money with that in a licensed chain or just own it. I, I think talking about consumers, people will maybe just love to own things and they will not trade it every day and try to make money out of it. They mm -hmm. will just say, oh, I got this number 10 from the limited edition of 20 books of some of, of a great author and I own it. I have it in my wallet and maybe I show it on a platform looking at Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, what he's imagining of what Facebook could be in the future. I'm sure that we will be able to show our NFTs on Facebook and define and maybe give like, our avatar or our real uh, person some identification out there. I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way about book NFTs and that we're recording this on video and I've got some books behind me and we're book people. And when we go into someone's house, right, we look at their bookshelf because that's what we do. So I feel like in the future, in a metaverse situation, we might have our NFT bookshelf behind us and it will display something about our character that we own NFTs of those books. And somehow, I, I know the technology might not be there right now, but it will have the, the cover will be shown on on the shelf and there'll be apps where we can view each other's virtual bookshelf in that way um so that that's kind of how i see it too and it's already happening look at the gaming industry look at what kids are doing they are building avatars like uh, one of the things that my daughter tried first in in an educational app uh, was they she was trying out the avatar function because she was like i want to give myself in this community of of little kids learning stuff some identity i want to make sure that people somehow understand me and i differentiate from from others that's what we naturally want don't we Uh, mm. To kind of uh, have some authenticity and uh, and some identification <laughs> uh, to make sure we are not just an army of robots. We are individuals and we want to express ourselves. And I think NFTs, um, even though they are digital, and it seems like like unusual to say, okay, digital and identification. But yes, I think with this token, it's going to be possible. Maybe one more thing on that point to give you a sneak peek about Creatokia is when you are a user, user on, on Creatokia or a fan or a buyer, uh, you will have the possibility to have a, a social wallet. It is called My Own. And in the My Own, you can show your NFTs. And so you, you bind your identity and your character together with NFTs. It, it belongs together in a way. 
Mm. And just to, again, sort of come back on what is an NFT, I think about it as like a, a box, you said a, a carrier, and in that box, there can be an EPUB, there can be an image, for example, I'm going to do my, ha- I hand edit my uh, manuscript, so I'm going to have a picture that is each each NFT book will contain an original picture of my hand edits, which will only be in that book, and then there might also be a video, so there might be a character art there, so we can all these things that we already use in our or author world and our publishing world will go into these digital original boxes. So just one last question on NFT book. Are we going to use different language? I mean, because I feel like, you know, people are still going, is it E-book? Is it capital E book? Are we going to be going an N book or an NFT book? Or are we going to come up with some other language here? It's not decided, I think. I think uh, I own an NFT of this author. I think this will be the first sentence that we will use because the NFT in itself will will be uh, a passport to something because you can do even more. You can use the NFT for a certain chat room at Discord and you are only able to enter that chat room with the author where he uh, answers your questions once a month or something like that. I think NFT will, will stand as a publication form in itself. Maybe it will get another name, but our guess is that publishers, authors, creators will release NFTs. But you're hitting a good point. I mean, you're just asking, will this stay a nerd thing forever? And will we call it NFT or something? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, think back a couple of years, not not much more than a decade, when the first smartphones came out, we all thought like, okay, okay this is something for nerds and you weren't going to have to like write on the glass screen. It felt like really strange and odd. Today, it's totally normal. And we don't talk about any technology under it anymore. So I think personally that today we are still in a phase of kind of establishing this technology and finding out what we can do as creative people with that technology. But once technology has become a commodity, and this is certainly, this is always happening, we will not talk about NFTs anymore. I, I personally think there will be new new like ways of saying it, like exclusive first issue, exclusive mm-hmm. first edition, or things like that, that a digital original, or even more like words that we don't imagine at this point because it's not going to be a tech thing in the future it's really being it's it's going to be a thing about owning something that means something to you and it doesn't matter if it's a physical item or if it's a digital item and it's not the token it's just a technology behind it mm. uh, that's just yeah, my I, guess but uh, well it's an early stage we don't know really but i think this is all going to disappear under the r- real thing and the real thing for me is owning something that i want to have Yeah, absolutely. Which is, I like the digital original because people say uh, special editions for, and that, and a special edition of a print book could mean a leather bound hardback, or it could be some eco-friendly paper or whatever. And so it contains all kinds of possibilities. But let, talking about language again, uh, you used the word wallet earlier and crypto currency and tokens. And all these words can be very confusing for people. And as you said, it's, it's early days. Do you think that people will be transacting on Creatokia and other platforms with fiat currency, like they'll be able to buy NFTs with US dollars, or are we looking at only using cryptocurrencies like Ethereum or uh, other tokens? It's a very good and interesting question. 
on Creatokia, we decided to give hunters and gatherers for interesting book stuff the possibility to play uh, to, the possibility to pay in fiat, so in normal currency or in Ethereum. So this shouldn't be um, this should be an easy gate to cross for the people. And another mission of Creatokia is uh, to kind of entertain and teach the rules of the blockchain to the people. So there are lots of pages to explain how you can um, make a wallet, what is a wallet, what is a cryptocurrency. And it's our mission to bring that technology into the mainstream in a way. And it will take maybe some time until we reach that goal, but it is part of the deal of the whole platform. Well, it's a central question that we've been discussing since day one and we, we have two groups that we address with Creatokia and, and I think that's not because we decided so it's just because it's natural that the crypto community that is really a community of creators of tech nerds like a really like interesting uh, group of people that are creating uh, projects uh, NFT project at the moment they are of course one of the first target groups so of course we also address like the crypto people but the question whether it will at any point become mainstream is super crucial. And we are not making Creatokia for just the crypto community. We are making it to make creative stuff from the publishing industry, uh, where, we're, where we've been working in for a very long time, available to, to everybody. So, And that's something that we have to develop. As John said, that's why we're explaining the crypto stuff. And I, I personally believe in five years, we don't need to explain it anymore because there will be probably Apple, Facebook and all the big platforms managing this for you. And you don't need to really take care whether you want to pay with Euro or Ethereum, you have your wallet and you just pay something and you own something and you can resell it. Let's put it this way. It's very simple. And I agree with you. I feel like it's almost... I don't know if 1998 is too early, but you know the sort of dot com boom and the, all the news about NFTs is is 69 million for a Beeple art piece, or you're all ruining the environment. It's all so hyperinflated, and yet it, a decade or so later, the economy online was big, and now it's it is a lot of our economy. So I agree with you. Just on the environmental concern, I feel like this is one of the biggest issues that we're hearing. And I feel like, again, people are stuck in the old way of blockchain a few years ago. But could you address the environmental concerns about this technology? Yes, that's something uh, what was an issue right from the first thoughts about Creatokia when we decided in the early year 2021 that it might be the right time to do something with NFTs and book publishing. We said that we cannot start that project without thinking about environmental problems that we might cause with that. And from any business that is done on Creatokia, we will compensate the, the environmental problem with, with a partner that we chose. The partner is my climate and it's a certified partner for being CO. What, it's what's the carbon offset. Yeah. Okay. That stuff that will be compensated fully. By, by anything that we do on Creatokia. So, and it's explained on, on, on the pages uh, right now. You can type in creatokia.com and uh, NFTs and environmental issues. There's a certain page for it where, where we explain how we do this. Yeah, and maybe some more explanation. Why is it the case that it is an environmental issue? It is because the blockchain is consuming so much energy at the moment. What is kind of absurd? And I think this is one of the kind of well, strange things we have to deal with. On the one hand, we have a very interesting technology that can make things possible that haven't 
been possible before. On the other hand, the technology itself is still an early stage. So there will be changes made on the Ethereum blockchain that uh, a lot more transactions will be possible to execute on the blockchain and that a lot, lot, lot less energy will be needed for that. Because I think nowadays nobody can really justify why we're consuming so much energy f for this. So I, I'm very confident, as far as I understood, maybe even in, in less than a year, Ethereum will change the technology and change the proof of stake concept and that will change the game. And I, th I hope then the, the energy discussion will be a different topic then. Yeah, me too. But it's I feel like it's the thing that's stopping people. It's like one of the first things. And then once, okay. Uh, and there are also lots of different blockchains. I know you're building on Ethereum, which I think is one of the more stable ones. Uh, and obviously, there are lots of potentials where it could go. And there are some even carbon negative blockchains, which I think are, are interesting. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate that you're using Ethereum because I feel like a bit like Amazon, you know, old companies now that are going to be around. I feel like Ethereum's an old blockchain, so we can maybe be more confident that it will be around in the future. Because I guess that's the other thing I've been thinking about is, okay, so what if I, um, I don't want to necessarily mention any that might disappear, but a new blockchain that arrives that maybe we put an NFT on and then that disappears in the future, that could also be a worry for people. Yes, absolutely. And I think Ethereum won't go away. That was one of the reasons why we decided. But also, I would say that we are kind of blockchain agnostic in a way. So if there is a better way to execute what we want to do, why not changing? So just for the moment, the Ethereum block blockchain is very stable. It's established and it comes with a lot of opportunities to, to create these smart contracts in a way that we want to do it. And if there's another possibility in the future, certainly we would go for the best way. And of course, make sure that people can keep their stuff and The point you mentioned is, is a very important point. It's about trust. It's about mm. trust that these transactions that you're making that will have a meaning in the future and not just go away. And I think that's something that we have to take care of. And, mm. and it's a decentralization thing because Ethereum is so open, you will be able to, to trade uh, books that you sourced on Creatokia on OpenSea and stuff. And it would somehow jeopardize uh, the whole blockchain thing when you build another world garden. That's not the idea. The idea of Creatokia is to build a gateway for authors, creators and collectors and publishers and stuff. And of course, we will offset 100% uh, the carbon footprint that we do now. That's, that's, we can really guarantee that. Mm. And then I have an interesting question about intellectual property rights, which of course underpin the whole publishing industry. And as an independent author, I own and control my rights. So I can jump on the first NFT potential option. But many authors signed an addendum uh, and now sign contracts that might include digital rights or ebook rights or these or digital audio or there are these phrases in most people's contracts now that I would I think would stop authors being able to do their own NFTs, because essentially it is a digital format. So what do you think about IP rights with the phrase digital? And will we be seeing a split in contracts into special edition digital rights? Or how will people manage, how will authors manage if publishers don't want to do this? What do you see coming in that area? Well, I think generally there are lots of different aspects here and contracts and uh, different types of relationships between authors, agents and publishers. I personally think 
the, the world is a free world. So if you, today you can really decide as an author, if you want to go yourself as a self-publisher, you can do that. You can be perfectly well successful. If you, if you decide to marry a, a publisher in a way and go into a strong partnership, then I would think I'm not a lawyer from my perspective. Now I would say this might be included in what you've probably signed and you should in good faith and in a good partnership discuss with your publisher whether you think this is right for your career, for your products or not. So I wouldn't say there's a general answer to that point. Legally, I would tend to follow your, uh, uh, to your opinion saying this might be included in some contracts, but Again, this is something new, so the rules are not 100% applicable, the rules from the past to this now. But my guess would be, let's not get stuck in legal, uh, in legal stuff. Our approach is really to find people who believe in this and, and make great stuff with those. And who don't believe, that's okay. You don't need to do this. It's a free world. And, and, and I wouldn't say that you necessarily lose the game or your reputation or whatever if you don't do it uh, at the very beginning. There's the, but there will be. That's what I know for sure. And that what we've seen talking to a lot of publishers and agents and publishers and, and, and authors, there is a lot of people who are interested. And I think we focus on, on, on those and the legal side will be sorted out easily I think from our perspective great well that is good to hear and I, I like to say it because of course a lot of authors listening are part of their rights negotiation in contracts so I want people to start bringing this up because of course a lot of people sign contracts some people for the life of copyright so you're making decisions potentially that could affect your future earnings even down to percentage split of resale which currently is not in digital contracts right so I do think there's a lot of stuff that will need to be working at worked out but you mentioned the people who believe focusing on the people who believe and I'm one of those to, to to be sure. So for people listening who are now enthusiastic, what is the timeline for Creatokia? When can we start doing this stuff? Yeah, we now have our first drop in November. It's called the Crea Token, and that's for the first believers. It's the landing page is already there. Maybe you want to uh, implement the link in in the show notes of this podcast. And of course, if you go on creatokia.com, you will see that Crea Token. It's the key to Creatokia. And for the first believers, this key opens the door to the platform that will go live by winter, autumn this year. And uh, you will get a free drop if you go with that token. So you understand how, how Creatokia functions. And that's that's the best que question I can give today, or the, or the best answer to your question that I can give today. And, and you can read from that that uh, John is a storytelling guy. It's a storytelling person. He loves stories. And he's got stuck in doing business with me in, in, in our core business in, in, in Bookware. That's why he's now thinking about stories for Creatoka. And of course, I'm kidding a little bit. But you can see that storytelling is a big aspect here. It's not only about creating a platform. And the first story we tell ourselves. If you go to the website, you will see that there is an idea behind this. It's not just technology. And we say you can do something here. Come on, start. It's really about uh, making the first move ourselves with a story. And so there will be a mix of projects going live on Creatokia where with this key to Creatokia, you may have some advantages, for example. Yeah. Uh, and there will be publishing, publisher-centric drops that focus more on the author uh, of a certain book, more like classic creative stuff from authors. So there will be all kinds of things. But but what what is really important is that It should be fun. It should be entertaining. It should be creative. And it should be really an experience for people to do that. It's not just another channel to sell something to make money or whatever. Of course, it's about 
making money because people want to live from what they do. But it's really about storytelling. That's for us as a company, it's also exciting because we are managing so much digital business of so many publishers around the world. That is great. And that will not go away. That will be stay very important for us. But entering this new business uh, with a story that really people that people have really fun and feel entertained and have an experience that's that's a motivation for us to do it no me too and I kind of feel like if this is going to be all normalized in the next five to ten years I want to be involved as I was with ebooks like you guys very early on and digital audio and AI audio and all these different things so just coming back to the practicality so so say I'm in I've got my create token I'm I I go on there I want to do my nft so I can put in an EPUB and an image and a video into my first NFT. Uh, and of course, this is the problem right now I see on OpenSea. They don't allow an EPUB or any kind of digital ebook format. They allow video, images, etc. So you mentioned you could be reselling it on OpenSea, for example. So is the format going to include all of those things on Creotopia that makes it different to the other places? Yes, that's making that makes it different. So you are able with the Creatokia token to access that that extras that you mentioned only with the Creatokia token. On Creatokia, you are able to to get your stuff uh, to your uh, let's say safe wallet of all that you bought with the NFT. And the technology will be, of course, uh, developed more and more, and maybe it will stick even closer together. But the token itself is the binding element to the author content that, that you created. And of course, uh, the possibilities that you will have on Creatorca is how you offer your NFT books. So it can be a limited edition. It can be a, a one-off digital original. It can be a time sale. You can say, okay, maybe you're JK Rowling and you decide to, to make the eighth episode of Harry Potter and uh, you do a center stage video stream and you sell a limited edition only for an hour at midnight a week before the release of, of the book. This, this is what you can do in Creatokia. And maybe if you are the token buyer, you are the only one who is able to print the book for you and your friends. Imagine that there are only 100 tokens of a book and the token owner is only able to print it. That's interesting out of my perspective. So the creative things should be limitless, but we cannot code as fast as we can as our ideas arise in our minds on what we can do. So it's it's really a limitless story. It's, a, it's an odyssey. Yeah. And then I guess then the question becomes from the reader perspective. So I know how excited I am as an author and a creator, but I'm also a reader and the people who are going to buy these things are readers. So I kind of feel that by launching now and by getting on there, it might then be tumbleweed in terms of no one comes to buy anything because no one knows about this stuff or it's very hard to educate people at the moment into how this all works. So are you expecting readers to come to Creatokia? Is it going to be a marketplace for readers and NFT buyers like OpenSea? Or are people? are we sort of on my author website? I'll have links and I will be the one driving people to to get the NFT, that kind of thing. So what's the experience from the reader? It's both. 
it's if you are a reader, you go to Creatokia to find that special stuff or even to get into contact with your favorite author. And on the other side, it's the connection opposite. It's it's the author who decides to use Creatokia to mint books, to uh, outline what his creativity is about in the way he uses NFT technology. It's bringing people together. And then it's only a gateway. It's a gateway to to the wide, wide world out there. When you bought the NFT, you are able to resell it, you are able to use it, any stuff like that. It's, it's, it's for both. It's, it should bring people together. That's what the blockchain technology is about. But maybe technically speaking, at least today, I wouldn't say that in the future this, this cannot be different, but today, Creatokia will not be an ecosystem for consumption of all kinds of assets because I mean, you are consuming books in your you know, preferred ecosystem, whether it's Kindle, Kobo, or you're reading on, on, on whatever device on your mobile phone. And the asset that is connected to the token, that asset that comes with that token, that, that is not necessarily, you know, like uh, it's, it's in an asset repository. So it can be accessed from anywhere and you can use it in your ecosystem, in your preferred ecosystem when we talk about an EPUB, for example, <clears throat> there will not be uh, an EPUB ecosystem on Creatokia. You will be able to preview it. But of course, if you want to download your special version of your book, you will download it and, and consume in your own ecosystem. Okay, so you might download the EPUB and send it to your device as you would normally if you if you buy that kind of thing. And many of us use a company like BookFunnel, for example, that's what I use, which will send it to whichever device somebody is listening to. I mean, because or reading on, because that becomes the thing. It's like, well, how do I read my NFT? So we kind of all also have to include instructions at the beginning, at least, so that people know, all right, this is the journey as the customer. And I, I've been on Creatokia lots over the last couple of weeks, and I see you've been building out the website. Um, and so we're almost out of time. But just for people listening, you've got a podcast that's currently in German. The website can be translated. But if people, obviously, my audience are mainly English speaking, where can they learn more and, and tell us about the podcast? Because I think there's some changes coming. Oh, we have received so many requests why we are doing the podcast in German. That's actually because John uh, talked me into this and said, come on, I, because he has done several podcasts. And he said, like, come on, let's do this podcast in German together as like a, a warm up and a kickoff because it needs so much explanation and you can just write it everywhere. People won't read it. It's too complex. Let's just tell stories and have great guests and explain our audience and our industry um, how this functions and so we have decided to now uh, switch into english so actually you are now the first english uh, podcast that we are doing this episode with you and we will switch the creatokia podcast to english and we will have our hosts it's it's our uh, vidal bakar uh, it's he's the head of uh, audio in bookwire and he will help us because he's really fluent he's native of course he's a british man and so he he will help us into this and we will continue the creatokia podcast podcast in English for probably another 10 episodes and and so people will be able to follow us there and we will kind of catch up a little bit on on things that we've discussed in the German version and but of course keep people uh, updated about what's coming up in Kreatoka because that's certainly not a German project it was just that we both started this po podcast in German to experiment a little bit with the two of us doing a podcast together. Yeah, from episode 11 on, it will be two German dudes and an Englishman discussing uh, uh, blockchain stuff for publishers, authors and creators. 
And of course, you can address that podcast on any podcast platform you want. It's called the Creatokia podcast. And another very important thing of the Creatokia community that we want to build is our Discord server. So when you use Discord, it's possible to get in direct contact with the Creatokia team there and lots of stuff will happen there. Uh, and of course, creatokia.com, where you can address all our social media profiles, well, 21st century stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, both of you. And uh, your company motto is the best is yet to come. And I'm with you on that. So exciting times ahead. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for inviting us, join us. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jens and John, and I am positive about Creatokia in part because of who they are. They co-founded Bookwire, a German company that is now international and it's already part of the publishing ecosystem, providing digital solutions for ebooks and audio. So they are embedded in the publishing industry. They know the players, they have the relationships, and they have a proven track record of delivering technical solutions. In fact, I have reported on their online events and talks at London and Frankfurt book fairs over the years. They already have the trust of the publishing industry, so they are well positioned to make this work. Here are my thoughts on some key points from the interview. As John said, we currently have a problem with digital. In a time of limitless supply in the digital world, NFTs allow digital scarcity – and scarcity makes something valuable. So a few years ago, as the subscription model really began taking off for ebooks and digital audio, I could see the decline of our current business model in the years ahead, and it worried me. And although I might have mentioned a little bit on this show about that, I didn't go into it in detail because I knew I was thinking five years, 10 years away, and it wasn't immediate, so I didn't talk about it. It's still not immediate. But essentially, if digital is limitless, then the value of digital tends toward zero. And you can see this in the music industry, with musicians being paid a pittance per Spotify stream. And we are heading that way with ebooks and digital audio with the unlimited subscription models. It is inevitable because it's great for consumers. And of course, you, like me, probably subscribe to many of these unlimited models. But this change in business models is also inevitable. As the old begins to fade, new opportunities arrive to solve the problems that the old has. So I recently read, and I recommended it at the time, but a book called Undisruptable, a mindset of permanent reinvention for individuals, organisations and life by Aidan McCullen, which explains how this works and how we need to embrace change. It talks about the series of S-curves that we go through at different points in our lives, individually and as companies and also as a society. There is growth and then there is change. And if you don't adapt to the new thing, there is decline. McCullen gives the example of Kodak, BlackBerry and Nokia, companies that dominated and then lost almost all market share as digital technology changed the game. Aidan McCullen says, quote, we become so preoccupied with optimising, enjoying and defending the competitive advantage that made us successful today that we neglect to prepare for tomorrow. End quote. He also talks about the different stages of a business model. Phase five is the final one. Quote, they compete on marketing spend. 
rather than product innovation. They compete on price rather than demand. They facilitate price cuts through job automation, optimization, and Me Too propositions, where their products become generic. This sounds very much like the digital publishing space right now, and the pandemic has driven traditional publishing into the online marketing arena as well. So the business model will be squeezed even more, and I know many authors are finding this as ad spend goes up. Now, as a customer and a reader and a consumer, I love Netflix and Spotify and Amazon Prime. As a reader, I also am now reading within Kindle Unlimited, although I choose not to publish most of my books in it, (laughs) and also Audible, which is basically now unlimited. But I also support creators on Patreon. I buy special editions. I join Kickstarters. I buy Books Direct. And that's the model we need to embrace. We don't do either or. We do both. We can't make a living in the unlimited digital model. That is very clear. Very few people do. And as the music industry has seen, remember, they are ahead of us at least five years. (laughs) They've always been digitally ahead of us. Uh, But yes, we need to embrace digital scarcity and resale of digital assets, as well as the possibilities of smart contracts on blockchain. So musicians have started to embrace NFTs with enthusiasm and many of them are doing NFT drops for digital originals and are now making decent money again. It's the beginning of a new business model built on blockchain and fueled by NFTs. In fact, if you are a music fan, then keep your ears open for drops by your favourite musicians as you might then be able to understand this from a customer perspective. So what is an NFT book in practical terms? Is it a Moby or an EPUB file or what is it? So John described an NFT as a carrier and I talked about it as like a digital box. You can put what you like in the box dependent on the platform. It could be an EPUB file for an ebook or an MP3 file for audio or a video or a ticket to an event or it might allow access to a community. Plus many other things we haven't thought of yet. (laughs) You can find some examples of authors doing NFTs on an article on the Alliance of Independent Authors blog, where Lawrence O'Brien from Books Go Social talks about various book NFT projects on the WAX blockchain, which is carbon neutral. Now, I am intending to do an NFT drop in the coming months, and the drop just means I will release things on a certain day. I will have several. I don't know yet how many. I'm thinking maybe three. (laughs) I'm quite nervous about it. Uh, I will release several NFT originals of Tomb of Relics. I will generate individual EPUB files and each one will include a numbered image of a page of my hand edits. So it will say like one of three or whatever. Of course, you can create individual EPUB files uh, with vellum or any of the other formatting options. Uh, I've got them listed on thecreativepen.com forward slash formatting. I will also include a video clip of me writing, as in typing, and it's a screen capture. And you'll see the words appear on the screen and you watch my face as I type. It's very weird. (laughs) But this is the first time with Tomb of Relics I've used PseudoWrite, the AI tool built on GPT-3, as part of my creative process. So it truly is a digital original. It's, It's the first time I've done 
this sort of um, using an AI tool. It's the first time I'm going to do an NFT. And it marks a specific point in my journey as a creator and a specific point in the evolution of writers working with AI tools. And I still have a picture of me holding um, what was Pentecost and I rewrote it later as Stone of Fire. But I've got this picture of me holding Pentecost and a glass of champagne uh, when that first novel came out. And uh, I was I remember how I feel, how I felt, and I feel like this first NFT is going to be as important in my career as that uh, first book, which of course is also original because you can't get it as Pentecost anymore. There are only secondhand copies in the world. So I think, and, and I'll never make any money on those, whereas with this NFT down the road, I might. So it all sounds a bit technical right now, but as Jens said, will this remain a nerd thing forever? <laughs> no, it won't. Ebooks were super nerdy in 2008 when I started self-publishing and now they are entirely mainstream. New indie authors coming into this space might be confused about the terminology we use, but after a book or two, it becomes second nature. NFTs and blockchain will be the same way. And of course, Creatokia intends to educate authors and the publishing community, as well as readers and digital collectors about how all this works. So I hope you will check out their podcast when it switches into English in the coming weeks. It's in German right now, but it will be in English soon. Head on over to creatokia.com and read their help pages for more info and subscribe to the podcast. Links in the show notes, uh, but the site is spelled C-R-E-A-T-O-K-I-A.com. But is the author and reader community ready? What about the failure of YA NFT project Realms of Ruin? So a few weeks ago, six YA authors announced the upcoming launch of Realms of Ruin, a collaborative fantasy epic filled with dark magic, intrigue and unique characters, as reported by TechCrunch. The authors intended to post 12 initial origin stories about their fictional universe, to which they own the copyright. The fans could then write their own stories and mint them as NFTs on the Solana blockchain. But the authors were ripped apart on social media. The community just didn't get it. So the authors decided to pull the project. I saw some of the tweets and articles about it at the time, and basically people just did not understand the concept. They saw authors trying to rip off fans in some kind of Ponzi scheme or multi-level marketing scheme while simultaneously destroying the environment, which is not a popular thing, obviously. I even saw some tweets from an agent who lamented ever having to deal with NFT licensing, which, to be honest, is very short-sighted given the potential of resale. I would have thought agents and publishers will be salivating over this at some point when the penny drops. I think these YA authors were probably a year too early with their project. Now, and t it tends to happen when I say a year is probably a couple of years. Uh, I really hope they try again once the community is more educated about blockchain and NFTs. Because, of course, Realms of Ruin sounds similar or exactly what Jessica Artemisia talked about in our interview uh, on episode 581 a couple of uh, weeks ago. It really is a new type of business model. I believe that these authors want the best for their community and they could see the potential, finally, for the writers of fan fiction to make money within their world, similar to the way Kindle Worlds did a few years ago and how some authors already now create collaborative worlds and allow co-writers inside. 
The YA authors also chose the Solana blockchain as it is one of the more environmentally friendly blockchains. So I think they did all the right things, but they were just too early. And clearly, as I write this in early November 2021, the author and reader community is not ready for NFTs. <laughs> it's quite likely that I will mint my own NFTs uh, in the coming months and no one will buy them. <laughs> Or maybe someone who believes that I am in this for the long term will take a chance on me. I hope I've got enough techie people in my audience that someone might buy one of my NFTs. And perhaps the value of my digital original assets will go up over time. And whoever joins me at the beginning of this new adventure will make a good investment, or at least have a digital collectible on their virtual shelf. But regardless of initial success, I've been doing this long enough now to understand the feeling I get when the penny drops and I see the future of how something will work. I do have form in this area, creatives. And to reflect on ebooks in particular, on 26th of October 2009, 12 years ago, I reviewed the International Kindle on YouTube. And if you want to watch the video, it's hilarious. But we just moved into uh, a house, a new house, and you can see the boxes behind me. Uh, But my excitement as an author and and as a reader is obvious as I talk about how brilliant the Kindle it is, how brilliant the Kindle is, and how I want things to progress. So I'm going to play that clip for you now, and I'll link to the video in the show notes if you want to go and see me 12 years ago. Hi, I'm Joanna Penn from The Creative Pen, and today I just want to share with you my excitement about the international kindle which i've just got it arrived uh, on saturday and i've been reading books on it and it's just absolutely fantastic i wanted to tell you a bit about it and why i'm so enthusiastic i guess because for americans uh, you've had the kindle for a couple of years now but for the rest of the world this is basically you know the first time i've even seen the kindle let alone held it and used it for reading it's basically well it's just beautiful i really love it so i guess i'm also thrilled because i my books my own books uh, are on the are on the Kindle, which I published through a friend in America. So I would say that one improvement I would like to see is the opening of the Amazon Kindle uh, publishing platform to non-US. Um, authors, so that would be a real improvement. But generally, I think it's fantastic. I mean, people criticise it for being just black and white and being, you know, about just really for books. I mean, you c- it's not multimedia, it's not multicoloured. But as a book, you know, most books are not more than one media, and most books are black and white, and it's just very relaxing and lovely to use. So, I highly recommend the uh, International Kindle from Amazon, and yeah, it's just it's just a brilliant tool. So I hope you enjoyed that clip and how times have changed. (laughs) Amazon did, of course, open up KDP to international authors and then Apple and Kobo and other platforms emerged. And then, of course, digital audio and all that. I also started podcasting in 2009. I got into audiobooks as soon as I could and all of those things. And I left my job two years later in September 2011. And I've built a multi six-figure business off the back of digital publishing. And as, you know, a decade in, I hope you'll agree I do have some knowledge of this area. <laughs> and back then, I sensed change was coming because of that device and that new ebook format. And that's the excitement I feel again now. 
And it's not just me. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of podcast episodes on NFTs. Like I go seriously, I've been, I am down the rabbit hole on this, I promise. And I recommend episode 542 of the Tim Ferriss podcast with Naval Ravikant and Chris Dixon that went out on October 28th, 2021. Tim also talks about this visceral excitement that wakes him up at 3am thinking about what could be possible with NFTs and blockchain, which is exactly how I feel. In fact, I was writing these notes before 4am this morning when I woke up once again in the early hours thinking about all of this. It's an excellent episode and they talk about how these changes might impact creators, authors and artists in terms of a business model for the future. And obviously it's a, it's a long podcast, it's over two hours and I wanted to share a short clip uh, under fair use <laughs> where Chris Dixon explains his vision. His vision. It's at around two hours and 15 minutes, so it's near the end of the interview and it's well worth listening to the whole thing. They talk about, um, Chris talks about generative art and music in this clip, but the same applies for authors and any other kind of creators who are creating intellectual property assets. So I'll play that clip now. I think it's one of the cool things here is when you create a better business model for art, let's say, or for music, step one will be you take the existing artists and they get more money. Step two is you're going to incentivize a whole new generation to go do these cool things. With a generative art, now you have a way to make money on it. And so there's just yeah. going to be all these smart people attracted to creative things, which I think is a great thing. I think we were just yeah. dramatically underpaying creative people, in my view. And we've now figured out a way to pay them properly. And that's going to lead to a huge new wave of creative activities, not just technology and not just paying existing musicians. Maybe we enter a world where there's instead of 8 million musicians on Spotify, there's a billion. Yeah. Maybe there's a billion musicians. There's a billion artists. There's a millions of generative artists. I think this is the right kind of evolution of the internet. This should be a golden period for creative people. There are 8 billion people and 6 billion or whatever internet connected. And you only need a thousand to make a living. This should be the greatest time in history for creative people. And I think we might have finally figured it out. I hope that got you excited or at least a little bit interested in this topic. And as Jens from Creatokia said in the interview, in five years, we won't have to explain this anymore. <laughs> the technology will just be part of your life. You don't need to know how to code an EPUB file to sell an ebook online anymore. You don't need to know how podcasting works technically to listen to this right now, wherever you are in the world. You don't need to know how the internet works to receive money into your PayPal account and then download it to your bank account. It will be the same for blockchain and NFTs and wallets. In Undisruptible, Aidan McCullen quotes a Chinese proverb, When the wind of change blows, some build walls, while others build windmills. Creatokia is a windmill, an attempt to harness the technological change ahead with blockchain and NFTs, I'm excited to jump on Creatokia when it launches, hopefully in the next few months. And of course, there will be many more possibilities and other companies emerging. Remember what I said in that video from October 2009, basically suggesting that Amazon open up to international authors. <laughs> How things have changed since then. As ever, you don't have to do anything right now. I am usually a few years early on these things, so you've got time to watch what happens before you take action. All I ask is that you stay curious and open to what might unfold. In the meantime, keep writing, keep creating intellectual property assets, and don't sign contracts that might stop you from taking advantage of these technologies in the future.
Exciting times ahead, creatives, and I hope you'll continue to join me on the journey. Thanks to my patrons whose support of the podcast give me the extra time I need to do research and all of these extra interviews and the show notes and everything. If you found this useful, you can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen, and you'll get the extra monthly Q&A audio sessions, as well as money off my ebooks, audiobooks and courses. Or you can buy me a coffee to fuel my early morning sessions at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the creative pen back to the usual format on Monday when I'm talking about something many of us want to achieve, from book to Netflix show with Chrissy Metch, all about which projects are worth pitching and how the process works. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.